Hey, this is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the words you hear encourage you, that they challenge you, that they build your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. So, enjoy. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, and just so let me just follow up with that with happy Mother's Day to all the mamas that are, that are out there, the biological moms, the stepmoms, the, the mentor moms, the, 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 the women that carry like all the responsibilities, maybe not the title, but you are that person in someone's life. Let me just simply say to you, thank you. Thank you for loving us, for caring for us, for doing all the things that you do. Can we just give it up for all the mamas? Absolutely. So... A lot of good celebrations going on today. Maybe you got big plans, but you're here right now. And so we're going to be diving in. If you got your Bibles or your Bible apps, we're, we're going to start in the book of Genesis. We're in this series. It's actually really big. We're trying to kind of work our way through the Bible with some, with some bigger stories, some things that we're doing. We'll take a couple of weeks where we dive deeper. But, but in these starting couple of weeks, we're going through the big truths of knowing God. But while you're looking for Genesis, it's the very front of your Bible, Genesis 1-1. While you're finding that, a couple other announcements I need to give to you. First, uh, there's a blood drive going on. So if you wanted to go out and give blood today, you probably didn't prepare for it, but if you want to do that, you absolutely can. They're taking walk-ups today. So I think it's the big bus thing that's over here on my right. So head out. You can give blood, which is amazing. Pastor Matt, next week, is hosting a class called Parenting Through Difficulties, through, through the challenges of parenting, maybe even some trauma, some different things. Things, but parenting through all those things that you experience with you, maybe in your kids, he's hosting that class next week. It's just a one-off class, hosting it next Sunday uh, during the second service. So you can come to the second service, do the class, and come to third service, which is awesome. And then, of course, we're doing sign-ups for a, a W3, our women's Bible study. That's not this Thursday, but next Thursday. So make sure you're a part of that. It's going to be amazing. But if you'll sign up outside, then we know how much food to make. So those are the things going on. A lot of great stuff happening in the life of the church. Make sure you're getting connected, plugged in, good, good stuff happening. So we started a new series called In the Beginning, God. And basically what we're doing, especially in this first week, we're, we're discovering what our purpose is. We're discovering why we were here, why we were created, which is so simple. There's, there's nothing complicated about our purpose. Our purpose is simply to know God himself. In fact, that's what we're doing here this morning. Like, yeah, you, you might have come for the free coffee or, or maybe because your mom said, hey, you're going to church with me today, which are okay reasons to come to church. But my desire is when you walk out of here that, that you've taken that next step to knowing who God is, that, that you, you've grown closer to him and you understand him maybe in a little deeper way. Because as we know God, as we draw closer to God, man, we, we grow in our strength. Those people that know their God are strong people. Man, because they understand how God works. They see his heart and understand his mind and, and there's strength in that. There's boldness. Man, when God is speaking to you and leading you and guiding you, man, there's boldness in what you do and how you respond to the world. But probably one of the greatest things, the um, benefits of knowing God is their contentment. Many of us, we, we've spent years. I mean, I think we all have this story, right? We spent years trying to fill that hole in our heart that it doesn't seem like anything can do. I, I, Jim, I tried it with relationships, and I tried it with work and success and education and school, things that are legal, things that are illegal, you know? Every, I tried to, everything, and it just won't work. Why? Because it was a space designed by and created for God himself. 
And, and as we yield that space to God, as we bring that space to God, as we invite him to fill it, man, the, the deal is that's where contentment comes from. You know, that, that the circumstances of our life can be crazy, but as God begins to fill our heart and our soul, we become content in him regardless of what's going on. And so that's the benefit. That's, that's why I was super excited about contentment. And it's a good chance for us to correct our vision. I'm not talking about our physical vision. You're not going to show up today, you know, pray for miracles. I'm no longer farsighted. You know, that's none. That's not the deal. That, that it corrects our, our vision of how we see the world. Because knowing God, the more we know him, the more we recognize that we can't view the world through our feelings. We can't view the world just simply through our knowledge and our understanding and our experiences. That, that the way God has called us to view the world, the, the way we make decisions comes through knowing his truth and what he said to us. That's, that's the journey, right? And, and we all are on that journey. There's no one's doing this perfect, but we can have that vision correction as we gain knowledge of who our God is. And so that's kind of the overarching thing that we're doing. So we're going to be walking through this stuff through the next several weeks, discovering God and his heart and who we are. So this morning, we're going to add a word. The series is In the Beginning God, right? So we're going to add a word to the series that kind of launches us this morning. In the beginning, God created so we're still kind of just sitting in Genesis 1-1 right here. This is, you can read all of this in the, in the Genesis story, uh, which is a story of God's created work. You want to know how God did what he did? Read Genesis. You want to know why God did what he did? Read Genesis. It's there. It's hard. It's, Genesis is not necessarily a science book, but where it touches science is accurate. It's not necessarily a history book, but where it touches history, it's accurate. What is Genesis? What is, what is the Bible, honestly? It is a book about God's heart in action. One of the coolest things I know about the Old Testament, it's not like a ton of theology. It's not like you're just gonna, it's not like quite like the New Testament, but the Old Testament is story after story after story of God interacting with his people. He's like, hey, let me, let, me, let me show you how I would respond in this circumstance. Let, let me show you my heart in these situations. And, and the more we see that, the more we understand his heart in action. And one of the things that Genesis shows us right from the beginning about God's heart is his desire. You know what God desired? Me and you. That was his heart. That was his desire. You see that in creation. He's creating everything. He's, he's putting it in a place, and there he is, creating the world, creating his kingdom, which was absolutely amazing, by the way. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He created his kingdom. The very first kingdom that ever existed wasn't, wasn't Rome or wasn't China or anything like that. The very first kingdom that ever existed was the kingdom of God. And that kingdom, when we read about it in those first couple of chapters of Genesis, was perfect. It was amazing. It was incredible, man. It was, it was like the best place you've ever visited times a million. Man, it was this perfect paradise. There was no death, no disease, no brokenness, true paradise. And what is wild is this, that in that paradise... God kind of created an extra special paradise. It's like you going to the best hotel you've ever been to in your life and staying in the penthouse. You know, that's, it's like the, the extra in the extra. That's what the Garden of Eden, uh, Eden the, that's what the Garden of Eden was. It was, it was the, it was the penthouse. It was the best of the best. 
And it's there in, in God's paradise of paradises that he placed you and I. He, did, he didn't stick you in Canada where you learn, had to learn how to say A and all those other kind of crazy things that they do north of the border. He didn't put you there. Where did he, where did he put us? He put humanity in, in his paradise of paradises. That's where he placed us. And when you read Psalms, you, you discover that God had this understanding of who we were in that paradise. Psalms 8.5 says this, that we were the crown of God's creation. That when God looked over everything that he created, I'm talking everything, universe, stars, atoms, all that stuff, animals, everything. When he looked over all of it, it was man and woman that he said, this is, this is the thing I love most in all creation. This, this, this is my delight. This is my heart. Psalms 8, 5 says that we were the crown of God's creation, that of all of creation, God says, man, humanity is my heart. And being that crown of creation, it gives us the understanding that, that we don't give value to people. I think culture currently right now, you know, we give value to each other, maybe by where you're born or what color your skin is or, or, or what job you have, success or failure. You know, we're, we're always putting value on people based on those external things. But, but what does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us that, that, that we don't give value to people based on anything. All we do is affirm the value that God has already placed on human life. That we, that we affirm that, that the man and woman, the man, they are, they are God's creation no matter what's going on in their life, no matter where they're born, no matter what color they are, no matter, no matter when they're born, that, that God has said, this is the crown of my creation. They are the image of who I am and they deserve love and they deserve respect. All we do is affirm the value that God has already placed on his creation, that he's crowned us with glory and honor. That's, that's what we do. How cool that we, that, hey, hey, you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God, you're, yeah, I, I don't, your history doesn't matter. Your, your ups and downs don't matter. You are valued because God has deemed you the greatest thing in his creation. And my friend, no one can take that from you. Let me say that again, because some of us have had things, no, no definition, no history, no accident. Nothing can take the value that God has placed on you as you are his beloved. And that's the beautiful truth that we begin to see in this creation story that, that God has created us. And he said, man, I love you and you're amazing. Then he places us in this kingdom and, and he says, man, you are the crown of my creation. And the Psalms also goes on to say this. Psalm 6, 5 tells us we're the crown of God's creation. Psalms 8, 6 says this, that you made us to rule over the works of your hands and he put everything under our feet. So are you getting the picture here? God created us and he, and he says, you're the crown of my creation and I'm gonna put everything under your feet. You're gonna be in charge of it all. I'm gonna make you in my kingdom, God's kingdom. I'm gonna make you in my kingdom stewards and caretakers of everything in the world. What does that mean practically? That simply means this, is that in God's perfect kingdom, in God's perfect paradise, people had a job. I kind of, I kind of shook me at first. I don't know if you ever get shook by things you read in the Bible. That kind of shook me because, because when I think about paradise, I ain't got no job. And in my perfect paradise, I am laying on some beach somewhere and Jen is feeding me grapes and my children are fetching me drinks because that's what we had them for. And so, you know, just, just serving the moms and dads, you know, that whole thing. That's, that's my, I'm not working in my perfect paradise. 
Why is that? Because the only way I know work is in a broken world. The, the, the only thing I know about work is how it exists in a broken world. And we know after the fall, after everything broke, that God actually warns Adam. He says, Adam, listen, man, work is going to be hard now. Work is going to be, it's going to be tough. Creation literally is going to resist you, but you're going to go do the thing that I, that I called you to do. And it's going to be tough and it's going to be hard. It's, going to be, it's almost like it's working against you and you're going to come home and you're going to be tired and you're going to be exhausted. Then you're going to need rest and weekends and vacations because creation is going to resist what you do. But at no point did God fire us from the job. Do you get that? That at no point did God say, Adam, you're done. You're out of here. I'm, I'm you're, you're demoting you. I'm, I'm elevating someone else to do this thing. He never fires from the job that, that the job that Adam and Eve were called to do is still the job that we're called to do today. What is that job? Adam and Eve's job as stewards of all of God's creation was simply this, to bring God's heart and God's mind and God's will and God's purpose to the world. That's what they did. They would show up and they would bring God's heart and God's mind and God's will and God's purpose to the world. This is what God wants in these circumstances and these situations. And they were to shape the world that way. And I'm here to kind of let you in on a secret that that is still our job today. That no matter what you do, that your job your divine purpose that God has given you is to bring his heart, his mind, his will, his presence, his integrity, his joy, and his peace to the world. And, and that, that applies whether you're a rocket scientist in the house. <laughs> you're like, well, you're, my primary job is to make rockets. Yes, absolutely. But a part of that job is to bring God's will and God's plans and God's purposes and his heart and his peace and all those things to the place where you work. It also applies if you're just a burger flipper at Mackey D's. That, that your job is to bring God's heart and God's will and God's mind and God's purpose to what you do. That's a little bit of a game changer, isn't it? Because sometimes we can struggle with where we are in our work. Oh man, I hate this job and these people. Man, I just cannot wait. And we become the worst employees ever because we don't understand what it is God has truly called us to do in the work that he's given us to do. That it doesn't matter what it is. And yes, absolutely, uh, desire greater jobs, desire promotions, desire all that stuff. Absolutely. But in the place where you are, you have a greater purpose than just doing the thing that your boss asks. You have the purpose of doing the thing that God asks, which is bringing his heart and his mind and his will to what you do. What if we as just Christians, just, just we as Christians worked that way? I think we would probably be some of the first people hired. Man, are there any Christians that applied to this job? They, they work as if I'm not their boss, as if someone greater is their boss, and they are just the best people ever in these jobs. Well, that's a piece of what we see in this whole creative story that, that God creates his kingdom and he gives us this work to do that, that never got diminished. It got tougher, but it never got diminished that, that, that we're called to be a part of. And then in that kingdom, he established these perfect relationships. I love this. Genesis 5-2 says this, male and female, God created them and he blessed them. This is a great scripture for a lot of different reasons. One, it, it, we can see that God made people different, like male and female. He made them different. They're, they're different physically. They're different biologically. And he called that difference good. He said, I've, I've created them. They're different. And that difference is good. That is, that is his design. He blessed that design. 
So that when we came together, why did he make them different? So that when we came together, you would see the complete picture of God. If the only thing you ever saw was me, hey Jim, I did that. you're the only person I know in this world. If the only thing you ever saw was me, then you would have an incomplete picture of the image of God. You want a complete picture? Let me bring Jen up here and she will, she, she reflects, actually she reflects way better the other parts of who God is and some of my parts too. She just, she's just way better at this whole thing than I am. But, but as she and I stand together as male and female, as husband and wife, and we, we present the complete picture of what God is. And God says, that's, that's, that's why differences are good. There's a, there's a push to erase those differences, but man, God's divine design is to show who he is to the world through those differences he created in man and woman. It's so powerful. And so he created those perfect relationships and not only horizontally between husband, wife, us, you and I, men and women, but he created those perfect relationships vertically between us and God. Genesis 3, 8, most underrated scripture in the Old Testament. It simply says this. You can read past it and not get it, but here's what it says. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This is how God chose to relate to humanity. He didn't come with a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations. God showed up and just simply said, will you walk with me? Will you just spend time with me? Will you, will you just walk and just, and let's talk together. That is God relating to you and I in creation. And that's a huge thing. My family knows this. We're, after dinner, we, you know, we always talk about, hey, what are we going to do? We're going to watch TV. We're going to do it. And I'm like, walk, walk, walk. I'm like the dog, walk, walk, because... That's, that's where I really connect, you know, you know, me and Jen, when we go walking, you know, she, she's not just going to run because that just looks really awkward, her running from me. And so, you know, she's right there with me and we have these conversations and we talk and there's this intimate connection that we have. And I think about that picture here with God that God simply says, I just want to walk with you. I want you to tell me what's going on in your heart and your life. I want you to tell me what's going on in your relationships. I want you to, to tell me what you're wrestling with, what you're struggling with. I, I want to share my heart with you about who you are and how I see you and how I view you. I, I, I want to do this journey with you. And, and God would show up with Adam and Eve and they would just walk and they would talk together. So genuine, so relational, so real. You want to know the heart of God? That's, that's at the very core of it. That everything God has done from Genesis 1-1 until this moment has been so that he could walk with you. And this journey and this life, all of it, that's a picture of it. It's so beautiful, so, so real. Nothing complicated about it, right? Nothing complicated about it. Who complicated things? More of us should be raising our hands. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who complicated things? We did. We complicated it. We, we broke the kingdom. God had given us amazing kingdom, amazing place in the kingdom, you know, perfect horizontal relationships, a perfect vertical relationship. So we were dialed in. It was awesome and amazing. God placed it in our hands and said, take care of it. And we broke it. We broke the kingdom. Fast forward to the New Testament. What, what does Jesus say that he's coming to do? Now, Jesus said he's coming to do a lot of things, right? And we think salvation and we think redemption and we think, you know, uh, righteousness, which is all great, good theological stuff, good stuff that we'll eventually talk about, amazing, amazing stuff. But in the words of Jesus, you know what he came to do? Luke 4, 43, and he said this over and over again, his words, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. 
Jesus over and over and over said, hey, listen, guys, I'm coming to bring something to you. I'm coming to give something back to you. I'm coming to to bring the kingdom of God. Remember the kingdom and remember how incredible it was and how amazing it was and how dialed and connected to God you were in the kingdom. I'm coming to bring that kingdom back to you, to invite you back in to my father's kingdom. That's the journey, that's the story of the gospel, that's the good news of the gospel, that we're invited back into the kingdom of God. And that, my friend, is a beautiful picture of grace. You ever, you know, in, as, as a parent, you, you, some of you guys can relate to this, and as kids, maybe you heard it. You ever, you ever gone into a store that had really expensive stuff to it, you know, and you walk up to the front, and maybe as a parent, you know, you stood there, and right before you went into the store, you told your kids something, what'd you tell them? Don't touch anything. Somebody in first service said, you're not going in. <laughs> so it's like, I do, do not recommend that as a parenting technique, but hey, you, you, you got to survive, right? So anyway, so most of us said, don't touch anything because we know once you get in that store and you break it, you're like, oh my gosh, my kid just broke it, you know, all those kind of deals. Well, that, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if we, we can quite understand it as from God's perspective, but that's the deal. Not only did he invite us to the store and say, touch everything. This is your world. Touch it. This is great. I'm putting it in your hands. Once we broke it, and here's the picture of grace, God fixed it and then offered it back to us again. I'll go ahead and tell you, man, my, if I give something really expensive to my kid and he breaks it, I am not giving it to him again. You're paying for it next time. Get a job. You know, that's not, that's not God. Man, God in his grace fixes the kingdom and then offers that kingdom back to us. We should be moved by that grace. We sang about mercy, which is amazing. This is a component of grace, that God's grace prevails, that he fixes what we broke and he offers it back to us. And we should be moved by that. Move to worship, move to engage his heart, move to follow him. That's, that's the kingdom. But honestly, that's not the hardest part. There's a lot of things about God's kingdom we can talk about. We love that. Hey, you're in your kingdom, those kind of things. There's a piece of God's kingdom that I'm not going to say is hard. I'm going to call it dangerous. Not, not truly dangerous in the fact that it puts us in circumstances that may hurt us. Dangerous because it pushes us out of comfort. You know what that part of the kingdom is? It's prayer. It's kind of interesting. When, when I pray, most of my prayers are right now me prayers. Hey, God, right now, this is what's going on in my life. God, right now, this, this is what's happening with me. And those are okay prayers. I hope all of us are praying right now prayers because Jesus said, cast your cares on me, come to me. I, I wanna hear what's going on in your life. The wrestles, the struggles, all those things, bring that stuff to me. Cast your cares onto me, I wanna hear it. We should all be praying right now, me, prayers. In fact, I, I give you another piece of that is that scripture says God absolutely gets right now, me, prayers. Like not, he gets it in a way that he understands our struggles and our wrestles. Like you're not talking to someone in like in your parenting, if you're wrestling with your kids, or you're wrestling in relationships or, or, or wrestling with something in your heart, emotionally, spiritually, you're not talking to a God that's going, what? Scripture says you're talking to a God who gets it, who saw it, who experienced it firsthand. Hebrews 4.15 says this, for we do not have a high priest, that would be Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he did it without sin. 
Let us then now, because of that, come with confidence and draw near to the throne of grace that may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. We've got a God who gets it. That when we come to him in, in hurt and pain, he says, I, I get hurt and pain. When we come to him in loss and struggle, he says, I get loss and struggle. When we come to him in, in, in just, just unsurety, he says, I, I've seen it and I know it. Even Jesus in the garden when he was wrestling with the cross, he says, man, I get painful journeys. And so Jesus says, hey, listen, absolutely. When you pray, right now me, bring that stuff. He is with us, he is for us, he is in us. That absolutely, that should be a part of our prayer life. But there's something else. There's something else that might be even more challenging. One day, the disciples came up to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. Jesus, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus, you teach us to pray. We want to figure out how to do it. And Jesus was like, seriously, really? You want to know how to pray? You want to know how to talk to the king of the kingdom? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And so in Matthew chapter six, he teaches them how to pray. And interestingly enough, he doesn't go to right now me prayers. He says, you want to know how to pray in the kingdom? then let me tell you how to pray. And so Bibles, if you got them, Matthew chapter six, verse nine, this is kind of where we'll, we'll, we'll go with our, our topic this morning, simply says this. Jesus begins with these words. If you, if you wanna know how to pray in the kingdom, let me give it to you. Here it is. It starts with, our father who is in heaven, holy and hallowed is your name. You wanna pray in the kingdom? Then you gotta know who the king is. This, this isn't about you, that when, when you start your prayer in the kingdom, that you point to, to King Jesus, you, you point to the Father and simply say, God, holy is your name. You're in control. You're the one that's got this. It is all about you. And that's, that's how you start a prayer in the kingdom. And then he goes on to add this, and this is the dangerous part. Your kingdom come and your will be done. That's, that's bigger than right now me stuff. This, this is forever Jesus stuff. This, this statement, your kingdom come, God, your will be done. This is us finding our place in the kingdom. This is me letting go of, of, of my personal agenda. God, this is what I want. This is what I want to see. This is, these are the things that I need to happen. It's shifting and going, God, what do you want? What do you want to see? What, what do you want happening in my heart and my life and my family and my jobs and my circumstances? It's, it's surrendering our current need and want for his eternal purposes. It's the courage to tell God that we are ready for his plans and his purposes. Father, not my will, but your will. Father, your kingdom come and your will be done. I'm ready to trust your heart. I'm ready to trust your timing I'm ready to trust your ability to work things out in a way that might even challenge me. Because I'll go ahead and tell you, if, if I have a spiritual gift, it is to solve problems. Man, I, I, I love solving problems. I can solve anyone's problems. If you got a problem, you I can solve it. Check out the hook. Well, my DJ revolves there. And if you got the song, 50,000 Jesus points to you. Uh, you know, I, I'm all about solving problems. Ask my staff. I love doing it. It's my thing. It's my jam. But there's some things that aren't problems for me to solve. 
And maybe, maybe this is the truth that you need to hear. There are literally some things that are not problems for me to solve. There are some things that are simply journeys for me to take so that I can grow in knowing God. You ever been in life and you're like, God, you need to solve this problem for me. You need to solve this, this thing that I'm facing, this circumstance. It's too hard. It's a, God, you need to solve this. And, and God is simply saying, hey, there's some things that aren't problems. They're journeys. And I need you. I need you for the greater good of your own heart and life, for the greater good of the kingdom. My will, not your will. I need you to walk through this with me. And those are, those are really challenging places. That's, that's why your, your will be done, your, your kingdom, your thing. It's, it's a challenging prayer for us, but, but it totally matches scripture. James says this, the half-brother of Jesus, he says this, count it all joy when you meet these moments, when, when you find the journeys that God wants you to walk through, when you, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of the walking of your faith out through these places and spaces produces steadfastness, and let that steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. What does that teach us? It teaches us this, that, that comfort, although I like comfort, is not a value in the kingdom of God because typically comfort, really all it does for me personally is produces weak Christianity. That the value in the kingdom of God is steadfastness and perseverance and grit and faithfulness to our king. And so sometimes he has this journey, he has this place that he puts before us and he says, my will or your will? Yeah, my will is to not walk through this, God. My will, my will is a solution right here, right now. And God says, okay, but, but are you willing to ask for my kingdom be done? Because it might be, I had a gal in first service that, that came up to me after I was talking about this. And she said, Jim, I walked through a circumstance and situation with, with my kids that absolutely rocked my soul. And I prayed almost every day for God to remove it. And he didn't. And I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled. But now on the other side of it, God has taken that, that struggle and he's turned it into a ministry that I have to reach other people. And it's amazing. And she said, I'd never want to walk through that again, but it is a beautiful piece of my life that God has turned into this amazing ministry. Some of the greatest pains and struggles and, and trials that we go through end up being some of the greatest ministries that we have in our lives. My friend, that's the difference between praying my will be done and Father, your will be done. It's that willingness to, to let God work. It's that willingness to trust how he's working things out, to trust his ability, to trust his heart, and all those things. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus, I'm ready to follow your lead. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, Jim, I, I do not know if I have that ability. For being honest, I will tell you that. I don't know that I have the ability to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. I don't, I don't know that I have the strength to do that on most days. What's interesting is what's the very next statement of that prayer? Simply this, and give us this day our daily bread. And we think about that as, okay, God, when I pray this, I'm asking for Chick-fil-A to be open when I show up. You know, give us this day our daily bread. Let food be on the table, but it's, it's not that. This moment of the prayer is simply us saying, God, today, give me what I need to live in your kingdom. 
God, give me what I need to yield to you as king. Give me what I need to pray. Your kingdom come and your will be done over my kingdom and my will. It's a beautiful piece of this picture and this story that he's given us that's so powerful. And give us this day our daily bread. Give me what I need to be who you've called me to be. What I love is that God delivers. God delivers grace. And God delivers peace and he delivers forgiveness. He, he delivers strength when we fall. He delivers, he delivers hope when we're hopeless. He delivers all the things that we need in our life to be who he's called us to be. So the challenge this morning is so simple. It is, it's one, know God. <laughs> know him, follow him. He's got a good heart. He's got a great plan. He's, he's reestablishing the kingdom and we might live in this temporary broken piece of it where it's pretty messy and we're wrestling a lot, but there's gonna come a moment when the kingdom is back perfect again and that per- perfect kingdom is eternity and it's gonna be glorious. So know God, pursue him, discover him because that's the path and that's the plan that he has us on to reach him through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But the second piece is this, being willing, maybe for the first time, to pray his kingdom and his will over your life. Father, your kingdom and your will in my life, your kingdom and your will in my marriage, your kingdom and your will in my singleness, your kingdom and your will in my job, your kingdom and your will in who I am. And can you give me the strength to actually do it? (laughs) Your daily bread in my life. Praying those prayers absolutely changes everything. And it moves us to be who God always knew we could be when he created us as the crown of his creation. And that's the journey. I'm gonna pray for us. We've got one more song to sing before we turn you loose to, to go celebrate with moms today, but let God do his deeper work in your heart and soul. Father, what a, what a strong challenge for us. One, to know you, to pursue you, to get after you, Father. You, you, it's your kingdom. We live in your kingdom. Let that truth settle in our heart and soul. But I think the real prayer for us this morning is being willing to pray your kingdom come and your will be done. That we seek you and that when we find ourselves in these journeys where you're not solving the problem, when you're not providing the answer, when you're not, you're not giving us what we want in this moment and in this time, that you give us what we need to walk with you. Our daily bread, and maybe that's hope. Pray hope for the men and women in this room. Maybe that's peace. I pray peace for the men and women in this room. Father, maybe it's just endurance or steadfastness. Maybe it's just a little slice of joy that's been robbed by circumstances and situations. Father, give us what we need today to pray the prayer, your will be done in our lives. And do the greater work of shaping us, of reshaping us back into your sons and daughters through the power and the name and the blood and the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because it is his name alone that brings transformation to our souls. Father, we are yours and we put all these things in your hands and we say amen and amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with a friend. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to find out more information about giving or to see what's going on in the life of our church, please visit us at fccsantamaria.org. 
Thanks again for listening and God bless.